Hallelujah. And Lord, with your name upon our lips, with praise overflowing from our heart, we open our hands and we open our hearts today to receive from you, you who are the living word, you who has and holds the words of eternal life. Would you come now and speak, Lord, to us? We receive from your hand today, now, your word, your truth, your life, your way, in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Jim. I have the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor of Bethel Christian Fellowship. It's been my joy to do that now for the past 21 and a half years. Let's just press in now as we uh, complete our study of the Tender Commandments. This morning, we complete this series that we began in September and has taken us through the fall. And uh, there are CDs already made for you and available out in the back. If you want to put a couple bucks in for to help with the cost of producing those, that'd be great, but you don't have to. But that'd be wonderful. But there are CDs and the PowerPoints from all of the different messages through this series. I know that I have benefited enormously through my study and preparation over these last months as we've gone through these Tender Commandments. And I hope that they've come alive in your heart and spirit as well. Because these Tender Commandments are not about God putting some sort of... of um, Uh, prison bars around our lives to confine us and to hold us back from experiencing the good life. But rather, these are expressions of his goodness and grace that he has given to us for the purpose of releasing us fully into our life and calling and destiny in him. So these are not about confining. These are about liberating. These are not about bringing some kind of death to us. These are about bringing us life. These are not about uh, causing us to live in anxiety and fear, but these are designed to help us live in peace and confidence and hope in Him. And so I hope that you've been catching that flavor as we've gone through these because He has given us these commandments These tender commandments written by the very finger of God on stone tablets. His love letter to us, given to us for eternity to express the depths of the Father's heart of love for us. And to release us again into the fullness of that life that He has for us. We've walked through and we've noted here in these Tender Commandments that the first four really deal with our relationship vertically, our relationship between us and Him. And He tells us that we should have no other gods, no idols, to not take His name in vain and to remember the Sabbath. And then the final six Uh, of these tender commandments, deal with our relationship on a horizontal level with one another. How we live together in community. We live, first of all, in communion with Him and community with one another. And we do that 
by honoring our parents, by not murdering, by not committing adultery, by not stealing, by not bearing false witness, by not coveting. And it is to the final of those commands that we turn our attention this morning. And I've entitled our message this morning, True Contentment. True Contentment. Because this is the heart of the Lord for each and every one of us. He desires to bring us into a place of true contentment in Him. I'm going to begin with the principle again. And in order to do that, I want to pull the lens back again. And I want to remind you of who God is. Because it seems to me that all of these tender commandments are rooted in the very character of God Himself. Who He is. And the more we understand who He is, the more we will understand why He has given us these tender commandments and and why we can entrust our lives into His hands. Now, we've looked at this a couple of times, and I'm just going to run through this very quickly, but just to remind you that there are three primary names for God revealed in the Old Testament. The first is revealed right in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The name Elohim, strong creator. In the beginning, God. And throughout The Old Testament, when you come across the name God, you are likely there, that is the translation that you'll find, for Elohim, strong creator. The second primary name of God given in the Old Testament is that of Adonai, sovereign Lord or Master. This is the name that was revealed to Abraham, Abram, in Genesis chapter 15. That's where God first reveals Himself as Adonai, Master. When He's talking about the covenant that He is going to give, and Abraham says, O Sovereign Lord, O Sovereign Lord, what can You give me? And He's talking about that in the context of The Lord is speaking to him and saying, I'm going to give you a covenant and you're going to have um, descendants as many and numerous as, you know, the sand on the seashore. And Abraham at that point is childless and he's saying, God, oh, sovereign Lord, oh, Adonai. And finally, he reveals himself in primary name as Jehovah, Yahweh. This is the name that he revealed himself to Moses as when he had the theophany there in Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush. When Moses is having this conversation with the Lord and the Lord tells him, you're going to go and you're going to deliver the people from Egypt and captivity. And Moses says, well, when I go to them and tell them who sent me, who do I say that you are? And God says, tell them I am that I am. I am 
this is who I am. Typically in your translations, when you see Lord with all capital letters in sort of smaller but still capital letters, the L-O-R-D, that is where it is being translated as Jehovah Yahweh. Typically Adonai would be a large L and then the smaller O-R-D. That's just, but various translations translate those in different ways, but those are some ways that you can kind of know whether you're seeing Elohim, Adonai, or Jehovah Yahweh revealed in a particular specific passage. Then there are a number of compound names that are given of the Lord, where they take Elohim or Adonai and Jehovah and, and put other kind of adjectives and attach other things to the name of God to help sort of new facets on the diamond of the character of God. And we've looked at some of those over these past several weeks in the context of these various tender commandments. And the specific compound name that I'd like us to understand this morning as we come to this um, last commandment to not covet and the inverse of that to experience true contentment is to recognize God as El Shaddai. Almighty, all-sufficient God. The almighty, all-sufficient God. It's a very interesting name here. Used of the Lord. Very, very powerful name. Of God. It shows up in Genesis 17 first when Abraham was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Again, this is coming in the context of this ongoing dialogue between God and Abraham and Abraham wondering, God, when are you ever going to bring me the promise that you have spoken? God says, I am God Almighty, the All-Sufficient One. Again, the name El speaks of the greatness, the Creator, the, the mightiness of God. The Shaddai, there's numbers of ways, you know, in the Hebrew there's, there's some various connotations. And one of the connotations with Shaddai is that the, is that the Hebrew word here for Shaddai is, is very similar in sound to the Hebrew name or word for breast. And in the context, as it's revealed, as this name of God is revealed throughout the Old Testament scripture, it, it speaks of the nourishing nature of God. You know, God is not just male. He is female. You know, he said, um, Adam and Eve, he said, I'll make man and woman and they are my image. Together, there is this, there's this part that, uh, of God, we, we refer to him as Father, but he is also revealed as the one who says, can I forget you? Could a, could a woman nursing her baby at her breast forget the infant that she's holding in her arms? 
God is the all-sufficient One who nourishes us. Who nourishes us with His sufficiency. And He's revealing Himself here to to Abraham in that way. And and the Lord said to Moses, now, this is in Exodus 6 now, so generations have gone forward, and now He says, the Lord said to Moses, now you'll see what I will do to Pharaoh because of my mighty hand. He will let them go because of my mighty hand. He will drive them out of this country. And God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. And here it is in all capitals. That's that that's that Elohim, Shaddai, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as, here it is, God Almighty. That's that El Shaddai, I appeared to them as God Almighty. This is the same name that is used in Revelation. Chapter 1, I'm the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty, El Shaddai. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. This is the very character and name of God. He is the Almighty, All-Sufficient One. Why is that important? Because if you are going to experience true contentment, you need to recognize the character of God as the one who is the strong one who satisfies. The God who supplies all our needs. If you haven't wrestled that through yet, today I believe the Lord has a word for you. He wants to reveal Himself to you today as the strong one who satisfies the God who supplies a few of our needs. Is that what? Supplies what? All our needs. Because He is the almighty, all-sufficient One. If you don't get that settled, you're going to struggle. I've struggled. We've all struggled with that. You know, this, this, I don't know. Probably this never happens in your household, but anybody's car break down when you're just flush and got all the, you know, you're just ready? Any, anybody ever had that, have that happen? <laughs> How about having it happen when you're already stretched to the limit? And then, yeah? All right. Things happen, you know, and, and you're just looking around going, I, I don't understand. It's not the car, it's something else. You know, there's all kinds of things that come into our lives. And it's really easy for us to move into a place of coveting. Wanting that which we don't have. Which we believe that we need. Because look at, you know, and we're going to get into this more, so let me just pause there, but we'll come back to there. But here's where the Apostle Paul speaks to us about the character, the character that we are invited to begin to walk into. 
For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Well, what's the all this? The all this is contentment which is one of the deepest and most difficult attitudes to cultivate in our lives. As human beings, we are naturally discontent. Watch any two-year-old. I want. You don't, you don't believe in the sin nature? Just watch a two-year-old. I want. You got, I want what you got. You have that toy? I need that toy right now. Jesus. Come on. You know. Whether you're 2, 22, 42, 62, 82. I want. Come on, let's be honest. We need to learn contentment. It's a lifelong class. It's a lifelong class. And Paul says, I've learned. I, Paul went through some pretty tough times. And he learned contentment. And he learned the secret of that. And what was the secret of that? I can do all things, what? Through gritting my teeth and telling myself over and over and over again and, and really, you know, doing really good self-talk, I can do this. How was he able to do it? Through him, through Christ. Who gives me strength? You're not going to get there any other way. So here's the character of the people of God. We learn to find our strength and satisfaction in God. The God who supplies all our needs. This is a learned Thing. This is a part of having our minds conformed to the very purposes and character and heart of God. You know, do not let your mind be conformed, but be transformed. It's that process of being transformed. Your mind transformation is about learning to find your strength and satisfaction in God. So, if you haven't learned it yet, Here's my word for you. Don't be discouraged. Don't beat yourself up about that because you're in a lifelong class. This is lifelong learning. So it's okay. And what the invitation is today is to learn by trusting more deeply in who He is. All right? So that's the big picture principle. Let's, let's look at it in practical matters. So, you know, what does this mean? It means be content with what we have. Be content with what we have. Exodus 20, 17. Here's the full, here's the full commandment that's given. Do not covet in, in, in the 
in the book of the law here. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant or his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is radically countercultural to American culture, which is all about, I mean, we're built on coveting. Come on. It's a culture that's built on coveting. And that you can have it all. Let me tell you, you can't have it all. And even if you had it all, you still wouldn't be happy. You would not be satisfied. Because there's a, there's a hole as wide as the Grand Canyon in your soul when it comes to coveting. Come on. Let's be honest. Every single one of us struggle with this. Let me give you a couple things to help us to be content with what we have. First of all, what we covet is not going to last anyway. I've got to have it, i got to have it, i got to have it, i got it, it broke. <laughs> yep, Christmas morning. Yeah, that's right. Come on. Tell me if I'm speaking the truth. I mean, this is why Jesus said, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin don't destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. What's the treasure? What's going to be in heaven? People. Relationships. Stuff that matters. Ain't no hearses pulling a U-Haul. Right? The one with the most toys at the end doesn't win because at the end you're still dead. And it ain't going with you. So the thing that you desperately need so badly is not going to last. And when we covet, we will experience deception and destruction. It's just true. I mean, Paul says here, godliness with contentment is great gain. But we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. If we've got food and clothing, we're going to be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. There have been studies done of people who have won the lottery. They are the most miserable people on the earth. It's really true. This is not, I'm not making this up. They've, they've just studied, they've watched people who've won lo the lottery. Gambling, for all of, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things we could talk about gambling. I mean, the addictiveness of it and all of that. But it's this, it's this snare that grabs people with this, it, it, it's at its root, it's a covetous thing. I want something for nothing. Let me tell you, if you struggle with that, 
Get some prayer. Get some accountability. It's a tax you do not need to pay. Let's be just, you know, let's just be honest. It is a tax you do not need to be paying. And it feeds this thing in us. And it's a temptation. It's a snare. There's so many of those. And we will experience deception and destruction if we allow it, this covetousness to start to, to, to grab hold of our hearts. I mean, God knew this from the beginning. He told the Israelites, this is not new information. What did he tell the Israelites? When you get into the promised land, what? Don't forget who brought you there. Because once everything is going well, you are going to be greatly tempted to just forget about me. As a pastor for over 25 years, I've watched people who have, who have longed for, desired that, you know, that promotion or they've, they've longed to get this or that particular uh, item. You know, if we just get this and we get, you know, whatever, and they get this, whatever it is. And suddenly they're adrift. It's just like that thing becomes the all-consuming obsession. And the very thing that's gift from the goodness of God becomes a snare which they have allowed their heart to be pulled away from their first affection, which is for Him. It happens, people. So what's the antidote? The antidote is to find true contentment in God. I mean, this is hard to do. I mean, you know, the stuff that's around us, we can put our hands on. It's hard to put your hands on God. I can hold on to my car or my car or my house or my whatever it is that I, you know, I can hold on to that. I can see that. I can feel that. I can touch it. How do I find true contentment in God? Psalm 73, this is a great psalm of Asaph, and he, he talks about struggling with, he, he struggles with something that every single one of them, why, his, his basic struggle is this, why are all the evil people prospering and why are all your people struggling? Why does it seem like those people, and you know who those people are, are getting rich and they're having everything, you know, and then... So he says this, he says, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet, I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. Your guide, you guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? Earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And he comes to this place of recognizing when he's struggling with all of this out here, he goes back to the radical center of his life, his life in God, and he says, oh, that's right. It's not about all this stuff out here. It's about you. And you're with me. And my flesh and my heart may fail, but but God is my strength and my what? Portion, say that. Portion. God is my portion. You're going to get some, you know, God, God willing, you'll have an opportunity to feast together this week with family or friends. You're going to get some 
massive portions of food. You're going to be hungry again. But God says, he's, he's our portion forever. This is a portion that will always satisfy. You drink of my water, Jesus says, and you'll never be thirsty again. Hebrews 13.5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. You may not have anything else, but you got him. You got everything. All right. The practice. This is the last thing. Example of the rich young ruler. Turn to Luke 18. I'm going to bring this home very quickly. Don't fade. Hang in. Stay with me. Luke 18, starting in verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All of these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And Peter said to him, we've left all we had to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Now you've been studying, we've been studying together these tender commandments over these last 11 weeks. I want you to notice something very significant here. This is really important. I love this about how Jesus operates. Verse 20, he says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. He lists five of the commandments on the relational side of the tablet. Five out of six. Which one doesn't he list? Which one? Do not covet. And the rich young ruler says, I've kept all of these. He's really, I've kept all of these. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. And he goes right to the heart. Jesus does that with us. He goes right to the heart. And the question I hear him asking me this morning, and I think us, is how much is enough? How much is enough? According to John Rockefeller, it was just one dollar more. Really? How much is enough? Luke 12, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. How much is enough? How much is enough? 
was talking, we, we met a couple of the board leaders. We're wrestling through some budget things right now as we prepare for next year. And most of you realize that we're facing a gap right now, budgetarily, and we're trying to make wise and prudent decisions about that. And I was remembering, I was reminded of, Our dear friends, the Newhouse sisters. And here's what I was reminded of, and here's what I was just pressed in my soul, and I don't yet know what to do all of with this, but I, I remember, because I used to, when I first came here 28 years ago, I went and visited all of the old folks in the church, the, the older members of the congregation. That was my part of my in, internship, was to, to visit with them. It was the best seminary class I ever had. And I'd go and sit with them and just hear their stories and listen to them. They kept the doors of this church open for years because they just, as a, as a regular, just who they were, they double-tithed. That's just what they did. That was their, that was their floor. They just double-tithed. Because, you know, and they, you went to their house, it was simple, their clothes were simple, everything. And then at the end of the day, you know, they... They deeded their house to the church. That's why we have a kitchen back here. Then we were able to, to sell that and use the proceeds for that kitchen. How are we doing with the gap that we're facing right now? Well, we received, because of Borgie's passing in January, we received a bequest from Borgie, which she had generously given to the church, which helped to replenish because she lived in this modest place. She gave to mission. She, she just... Because they figured they had enough. For the kingdom. How much is enough? It's a great story. This lifeline is fabulous, by the way. Pick one up on the way out. Under financial life, um, Dave Ogren Sr. gives a story, tells about some from Great Commission Media Ministries, and he talks about people who who God has given the gift and the ability to make money. And he talks about a guy in here from Canada who the Lord has blessed in such a way that he, he feels, and what God has spoken to him about is he lives on 5% of his income and 95% of it goes into the kingdom. See, it's not about how much should I give, it's how much should I keep. I think God wants to reframe some questions in our minds and hearts. And this isn't just because we're facing a budgetary gap, it's because I believe that God wants to cultivate in us a generosity because contentment, you know, part of the way that that gets expressed is just generosity and release in our lives. I was talking to Pastor Sam, he had a great, he said, you know, we're wrestling, as I said, wrestling through the budgetary things. He says, his, his whole thing is, this is great because what's happening, God is, God is pruning us in order to help us discover what our true priorities are. What really is important? Where do we want to sow what seed has been given to us? God's not trying to tighten it up because he wants to strangle us. He wants to liberate us. We even go through tight times in our own lives to liberate us, to show us what are the true priorities here. What's important? What are your values? What's significant? Where do you want to, what do you want to do with the resource? How much is enough? I, 
I, I tell you this as a fellow journeyer and struggler with this. I'm not telling you because I've got it all figured out or I'm standing before you saying, well, do as I do. I got it all put together. I'm learning the same things. I'm learning contentment just like you are. But I think we need to ask the question, right? Wouldn't it, would it help us to ask the question? I think so. Finally, one more incredibly important question, and then we're, we're done for this morning. And this one's going to come back to all of those. This, this sort of wraps up and puts a, a final exclamation point on this series on the Tender Commandments. Because the question is, what must we do to inherit eternal life? That's the question that the rich young ruler asks of Jesus. What must we, listen to this, do to inherit eternal life? Well, there are really two answers to that question. There are two, there are two ways, now just hang with me, two ways to eternal life. Two ways to eternal life. You're all thinking, okay, Pastor. I'm not sure if I'm tracking yet. Hang with me. The first way is to keep all of the commandments perfectly. (laughs) Keep them perfectly. As Jesus said, be perfect, therefore, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect. Okay, anybody got that going? All right, raise your hand. Come on, let me see those hands. The other option is to receive the grace of Jesus Christ through faith in his work on the cross. That's what the whole book of Romans is about. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. These tender commandments remind us, oh yeah, okay, here's reality. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So my encouragement to us this morning is this. Eternal life and true contentment are only found in Jesus Christ who gives us life and has the strength to satisfy our deepest longings. So I don't know about you. I'm going to go with option B. Because the ship already sailed on option A a long time ago. And that's where these tender commandments are about grace. They're not about legalism and you gritting your teeth and doing it all just right and getting, you know, because guess what? You are not. But there's one who has, and his name is Jesus. He did keep the commandments perfectly and became a sacrifice on the cross for you and for me. And because of that, He is the one who is mighty to save. He is able to do that which you are unable to do in and of yourself. So I don't know about you, but this morning I just want to cry out like the blind man Bartimaeus, son of David, have mercy. 
Jesus, come and have mercy. Help us, Lord. We need You today to deliver us from ourselves. You know our hearts. You know that they are desperately wicked. (laughs) Who can understand them? But Lord, You've understood our hearts. And Lord, You're the one who brings deliverance and freedom and release into our lives. So God, we just welcome You today to come. We receive You, Jesus, today. If you've never received Christ today, you can do so. You can come on down here. Tom and Kathy are right down in front. They're going to have to slip out in a little bit. Marilyn's right here. They'd like to pray with you this morning and bless you as you step into relationship with the living God. If this morning God has been speaking to you about your own heart and how much is enough, and you just want to come and invite the Lord, we're going to need one another as a community. We can't do this alone. It's countercultural, but there's a kingdom culture that transcends the culture of this earth. And God is able, and He is willing to help us. So let's stand to our feet, and if you want to come to this altar this morning, we're going to do so. I'll give a benediction in a moment. Go ahead and put up the words to the second verse. We're not going to sing them right now. So take me as you find me. All my fears and failures. Fill my life again. I give my life to follow. Everything I believe in, now I surrender. Lord Jesus, hear the prayer of our hearts this morning. You know our fears and failures, God. You know the things we struggle with, Lord. The challenges, God. That beset us on every side and inside, Lord God. That's why we're reaching out to You today, Jesus. Declaring our dependence on You again today. You alone satisfy. You are the almighty, all-sufficient One. And Jesus, we surrender again to You. Could we? Could I just ask you, Just you can open your hands here or lift them up, but just in surrender to the Lord this morning, Jesus, we surrender to You today again and afresh, Lord God. Asking You, God, to have mercy upon us, Lord God. Change us, Lord, from the inside out. Work, your, work in our hearts, Lord God, to free us, to deliver us, O oh Lord. Lord, from our covetousness into contentment. From our fear and grasping into generosity, God. Into liberation. Come, Lord, liberate Your people today. Liberate us, Lord Jesus, in Your name. That we might walk in that place of godliness with contentment is true gain. It's great gain. We wanted that great gain, Lord. So I pray now that you'd fill your people afresh right now, overflowing with the mighty love of God the Father, the incredible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, that amazing power of the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh today with comfort, strength, hope, peace, power. As you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations, may the banner of His goodness be over your life.
Until we gather again, either in this house or our eternal home, I bless you, people of God, Bethel Christian Fellowship. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be dismissed and go in his presence. Amen. Hallelujah.